It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Into the front court is Rice. Jabari, guarded by Yasafu, draws a high screen from Cunningham, uses it to roll the dribble, now out to Cunningham. Brock squares up for three and nails it. Cunningham knocks down his first shot. Texas back in front, 15-13. Longhorns have it. Off to Jabari Rice, top of the arc to the left wing. Sends it to Arterio Morris. Now it goes to Bishop. It's broken up by Uday, but Christian able to get it back. Here's Bishop. Stops, top of the arc, still on the dribble. Drives in and scores off the glass. 3.38 to go in the half. Here's Marcus, top of the arc. Weaving through traffic. Puts it off the glass. It's good and he's fouled. What a drive to the hoop by Marcus Carr. Great body control. Banked it off the glass. Got the bucket and one. To the right side is Jabari Rice. Out to Morris. Open for three. Good. Arterio drains the three-pointer. Instant offense off the bench. The Longhorns with their largest lead of the first half up seven, 35-28. Down to 10 seconds. Still on the dribble. Eight, seven with a bounce pass to Cunningham. Down to five. Drops it to Carr. Marcus, three, two. Drive into the hoop. Puts it off the glass. It rattles in. And the Longhorns will take a six-point lead into the locker room. Ran it all the way down to the final second. And Marcus Carr's driving bank shot puts Texas up at halftime, 39-33. Now to Bishop, left side. Driving. Bishop drops it back behind. Marcus Carr for three. Good. Marcus knocks it down. 13 points in the game for Carr. Texas up double digits for the first time today. Up 11, 52-41. Now Carr dribbles in. He's pushed from behind, but got rid of the ball to Cunningham. Turns, spins, fade away in the lane. Good. Brock Cunningham with eight. Texas back up 12, matching their largest lead. It's 55-43. Now works at top of the arc. Here's Marcus. Down the lane. Pass deflected in the corner. Rice measures up a three. No good. Offensive rebound to Sue. Missed it underneath. Cunningham an offensive rebound. Missed it underneath. Has it again. Brock, a dribble. Needs help. In the Rice. He lays it in. And he's fouled. How about team basketball there by the Longhorns? Dillon, eight on the shot clock, still working the dribble against MJ Rice. Turns with a jump stop in the lane, in some trouble, then spins around and drops it in with the right hand. He took MJ Rice to school. Texas is schooling. Third-ranked Kansas, they're up 18 with 5.40 to go. Here's Wilson again, top of the arc, dribbles in, drops a pass back to Joseph Yesifu. Down the lane, ball knocked out of his hands by Cunningham. Longhorns have it on a run out, three on one. Rice, lob it in. A one-handed throwdown. Texas up 20. They're blowing out Kansas in Kansas City. Yesifu drives down the lane, high off the glass, missed it, and the rebound, Bot has it, and that's going to do it. The Longhorns are going to win the Big 12 Conference Tournament Championship by, get this, 20 points over the Kansas Jayhawks, the Big 12 Conference Tournament Champions, the Texas Longhorns for 2023. Final score, Texas 76, Kansas 56. And with that... It's on to the dance. One conference tournament in the books. Now the bigger tournament on stage. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Light the Tower. On the horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital 
on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Thanks to our producer Cameron Parker for putting together uh, the highlight montage of the Texas Longhorns Big 12 Conference Tournament Championship win on Saturday night over the Kansas Jayhawks. My name is Craig Way. Glad to have you with us this morning. Always pleased to be joined by my co-host, the pride of Northwest Williamson County, proud graduate of Florence High School. Always. He wore the purple and white number 79 jersey when he was an honorable mention all-district offensive lineman for the Florence Buffaloes. But you know him best for his outstanding work at Horns 24-7. That's Jeff Howe. If Cole Bott makes the highlight montage, it's either really, really good or really, really bad. And in this case, it was really, really good. Yeah, it was. And glad that I got to say Cole Bott's name out there as well as as well as the other guys who got out there, Gavin Perryman, the other guys who got out there late uh, in the uh, in, there inside the final couple of minutes of the game. When you the like that? That's what I took from the from the highlight Cole montage Bott. of a conference championship. Works, yeah. Cole Bott. Yeah, I'm okay with that. It, maybe it's just me, and I've guess got you know. <laughs> PTSD from following this program as long as I have. I didn't feel good about things like feeling like, okay, I can go ahead and get started on, you know, getting pushing our content out for winning a conference championship. Once the uh the Jabari Rice lob to Arterio Morris happened at that point, I'm like, all right, you're up twenty with about three and a half left. Okay, yeah, I think I think I think it's good. You're safe to go with think it then. I think we're in the safe zone. That is and I'm sure you've seen it. That was a spectacular photo. That was taken of uh, Morris finishing that lob slam. Jamie Squire was the photog from Getty that took that, and I just I was just looking at that because we you know we have a Getty image database. Okay, Horns twenty four seven. I was just looking at it. Like, I, I can't get over how spectacular that thing is. That, that's a, that's one of those things you'd see. Uh, you know that Getty Images has captured over the years. Sports Illustrated photographers have that done would, that. That's that, a Neil Leifer type of photo. That would have been on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yeah. back when that meant something. Yeah, yeah, it did. Uh, the guy who means a lot to us is our producer Cameron Parker, who uh, was dispatched to uh, be the spot starter, so to speak, over the weekend and call Texas softball all five games of the Bevo Classic by himself. In place of Andrew Haynes, who is uh, uh, out, and Andrew will be back this week. Um, Cameron was asking me in advance of that event if there are any specific secrets to, to uh, you know, um, voice maintenance and making sure you don't lose your voice and all this other kind of stuff. I got back to my hotel late Saturday night after, obviously, after the Texas victory, and I went back to the hotel and grabbed a bite to eat with the team and things like that. And then when I got up to the room. I noticed there was a tweet uh, about the game going the 11th inning. I thought, no, really? I yeah, thought, I saw that. I thought, Cam is still up. So I dialed it in, and there he was, closing it out. And I thought your voice held up well. I could tell it had, had a little wear and tear on it, but then again, I lived that world, so I understand it. But how are you feeling this morning? Yeah, the allergies didn't help either. Yeah. I saw Alex Sloeb, Alex Sloeb yesterday. He was calling the game for LHN. And he's like, how do you have your voice still? And I was like, it's hanging on. Those those uh, celestial seizing teas helped me throughout the week good. with my voice, and it, it was a fun weekend. Uh, I thought maybe it was a good luck charm because on Saturday after the Wisconsin game, Texas hadn't lost anything yeah. in athletics. Scotty Scheffler was leading the Players' Championship, and then Texas unfortunately dropped back-to-back games with the longest game at McCombs Field since uh, 2017, the largest field in McCombs history, so it goes both ways. And and it's the first time what they've had back-to-back extra inning games in like yeah. six or seven years, something yeah, like that? Yeah, the first. They didn't have any extra, extra inning games this year. Neither did Alabama. Um, but back-to-back, first time losing two straight losses, but 
Texas State, they had only played four games. Texas played five. So maybe a little bit of fatigue, and that extra inning game went super late, and then you had daylight savings time on top of that. So it was kind of it was a, a weird beating. Sunday. What a beating. So, Cameron, you just went with tea. You didn't go with, like, Ron Burgundy and some scotch or no. like that for the throat. Maybe, like, the 14th inning if we got to that point. But <laughs> me, I don't. He asked me for some tips, and I said, and I've said this on the air before because a lot of people ask me. I got asked four or five times during the weekend, how are you doing this? You know, because I did six games, the, the three mm-hmm. men's games, the three women's games. And I wanted to say, you don't understand. If the men had lost Friday, I was going to fly back here and do four UIL State tournament games for TV Saturday and then go back and do the women's game Sunday, which is what I did last year. So there, there's workload and then there's workload. But to answer their questions, and, and Cam is, oh, a lot of it is just preventive maintenance and rest. And rest comes at a real premium, especially for me this time of year. But um, – you know, uh, the, 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 he mentioned the herbal tea, whether it's, you know, celestial seasonings. I'll use that lemon zinger out of that and, and then it let that bag steep in there a good five or six minutes. Some strong herbs. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, take a, uh, take a, uh, a tablespoon and use a full heaping tablespoon of local honey. It's got more homeopathic properties in it. And then, and then put some lemon juice in it. It can either be from, an actual lemon, or it can be one of the plastic squirt bottle. Yeah. It doesn't really matter that much. And and add that in there. I said it'll make it feel better and all that. It'll soften it up. I'm sure it kind of it helps you. It, it, it softens it up. It's not a cure-all by any stretch, but it does help in terms of how your throat feels. Yeah, it's better than nothing because by like the fourth, third inning yesterday, it was like I got to get some cough drops in because the yep. throat was so dry. And I'm sure you feel the same way by oh, yeah. probably like Sunday. You just know you're close to maybe a breaking point. Just, whiskey shot, clear you up. Can now, you? that's where the layman, and, and I don't blame Jeff for this because he's the layman in this situation, <laughs> would be incorrect. Uh, as much as it might feel better, whiskey, and this is from a, an avowed scotch consumer, mm-hmm. whiskey constricts the vocal cords. The caffeine constricts the vocal cords. You don't want to use that sort of thing. Uh, just as you don't want caffeinated, carbonated beverages, it does the same thing. Caffeine. Yeah. So if you guys hear me gagging on the air, choking, I'm because they're Coke, Coke, Coke Zero. Hey, listen, I, and I I try to limit myself to a cup of coffee a day. Uh, sometimes that's a little more difficult to do, so I'm I'm savoring the one I got right now. Anyway. Whatever you do, Cam, don't think lean is a good way to relax the voice. You might think, oh, cough syrup. Lean, yeah. That's, that'd be be a nice way. No, that's that's just just as long as you don't go down that road. I there think whatever go. treatment you rely on will now, be fine. And I would imagine you're able to throttle back a little bit this week in terms of your game schedule. Is that is that correct? You got you got Round Rock baseball you? tomorrow and Wednesday night, okay. possibly. Okay. All Not right. too bad. Greg, you think any amateurs in your profession have ever done that, like play by play voices thinking like, well, I mean, lean has cough syrup in it, so maybe that'll clear my throat up. <laughs> I hope not. I would hope not either. Yeah. I just randomly thought of that. I'm, I'm sure somebody has at some point. Yeah. Uh, on the program, we're going we're gonna to hear uh, – uh, these were a lot of fun. So there's some vignettes, if you will, uh, our courtside interviews right after the Longhorns won the, na- the national the, – the Big 12 championship. Easy. 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 You, woo, big fella. Uh, hopefully it'll get to that. Uh, the uh, Winning uh, the Big 12 tournament championship. And uh, it was kind of mixed – in between uh, the the actual celebration and the actual cutting down of the net, because guys were like filtering in and out. In betwixt. Yes. Uh, and that included when uh, Rodney Terry 
uh, was had just finished cutting down that net that I that what may become iconic shot of him waving that uh, waving that yeah. net after doing that. So we'll we'll hear them. We'll do them. We'll do them in the order in which they're presented, um, in which they came to us um, uh, coming up. We'll do that. Uh, obviously, there's plenty of bl- uh, bracket conversation. Uh, get the, the early thoughts on the bracket. So we'll we'll do that. Um, I, I love how the selection committee just telegraphed where Texas was going to be. Oh, you could tell it pretty early. I've, you know, I figured because we had a little thread on the flagship message board at Horns twenty four seven. Like, is Texas getting a one? I was like, I don't think they're getting a one. Yeah. And then when they announced Houston, because I figured Texas would be paired up with Houston, because I was thinking Houston would be. This is when I was still thinking Houston would be the lowest of the force of the of the four one seeds. Yeah. Texas would probably be the highest too. So I was like Texas getting paired up with Houston. I thought that would be in Vegas, thinking Kansas right. would wind up in in the Midwest. But then I'm seeing the bracket. I'm like Texas is going to be the two. They're going to be the two here. And then when I saw A and M as the seven, I'm like yes, yeah, yeah. Texas will be the two. No when question. when the minute they announced that with Houston being slated for uh, Kansas City in that region. Uh, our our producer and good friend and broadcast colleague Dave Garrett texted me. Now, at the time, I was watching the men's selection show in a meeting room at the team hotel with the Texas women because after they lost the Big 12 tournament title, it it wasn't going to work to be able to try to watch the selection show while flying back like they were able to do last year. The particular aircraft they had wasn't going to be capable of that. Mm-hmm. So... They made the decision that they were going to watch the selection show from the hotel. Now that added about three hours to the itinerary because you had to wait for that and all that. But they, but they all wanted to be. And ESPN wanted them on camera too, and and so they did. They set it up for that. Uh, but prior to that, they're watching the men's show. So we're sitting there watching, and all of a sudden, when that comes up with Houston, I get a text from Dave, and he goes, uh, "He said we're going to be in Des Moines, and if Texas wins two games, Kansas City." Is 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 and he was he was spot on with that and I think even Joe Lenardi on Saturday morning uh, or Saturday afternoon had Texas in Des Moines and I was like really uh, and, you know he he uh, by the way for those of you who keep in score he got sixty seven of the sixty eight teams in the field correct the one he missed he had Rutgers in instead of Nevada uh, yeah yeah uh, so that was the one he missed. And he got a shout lot. out to Will Baker for getting yeah. to the NCAA tournament. Absolutely, and uh, and I watched him play this year, and they they got some they had some nice wins. So anyway, I uh, saw that clip of the Utah State game where yeah. it opens up with was a five five straight Will Baker threes yeah. to open the game. Yeah, exactly. So um, so it was an awful lot of fun uh, for that, uh, and uh, and we'll uh, set it up on the women's side as well. Yeah, it was disappointing they didn't win the Big Twelve tournament title. I think they were a little tired and, and gassed, and Iowa State did a great job defending them uh, yesterday. They lost that game, but we knew it wasn't going to affect the seeding for wow. either team. I said going into the game, set it on the air. Iowa State will be a five seed, Texas will be a four seed, no matter the outcome of this game. And that's exactly what happened. And I and I was not being any kind of a genius or Nostradamus by, by that. I th- I, it's the same thing I knew Saturday night. As exhilarating as it was from the Texas perspective that they win, they weren't going to be the one, the, a one seat. They weren't. They were not going to unseat Purdue. They were not going to unseat Houston. They were, Once they beat TCU, they were locked into a two. As a two, absolutely. In fact, once they beat Oklahoma State, I think they were locked into the two. But they, you know, but they weren't going to rise any higher, except maybe in the in the twos, possibly. Um, but it's okay. 
Uh, you get the bracket. It is what it is, and now you you go to work, and that means going to Des Moines, Iowa, and to our man CB on the Specs text line at three three seven three seven seven six. Wanted to know. He said, "Are you guys going to be doing the show from?" Iowa on Thursday. There'll be some measure of things going on with the show. Jeff's travel plans are coming together. My travel plans are still being formulated. Um, but uh, obviously we'll be in Iowa on Thursday. So uh, so we're planning on doing things like that. Jeff will be uh, covering the team and up there. So that includes the news conferences on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen a media schedule on that yet. I have you? not yet yeah. either, no. So... Uh, so we're formulating all of those plans, and obviously the the plans will be formulated around. Admit, you know what? Let me check my email because I got yeah. my credential approval this morning. And Good I don't on know you. If there was a schedule in there, so just give me. Won't you yeah. give me? I'll give you a minute to look on, on that. Shit. And and our specs text line is open at three three seven three seven seven six five one two three three seven three seven seven six. For example, and we're here to answer these kinds of questions. Uh, Phil says, see way I'm commu- I'm confused. Why does Des Moines, Iowa get to host West and Midwest games? What am I missing? The only thing you're missing on that is, and this happened a few years ago, the NCAA made the decision, and this was all in the interest of balancing the bracket from the Sweet 16 forward, that in the pods, first and second round, it didn't really matter where you played. It was, it, it, you know, uh, they were going to reward the teams – uh, the higher-seeded teams, Alabama, of course, playing in Birmingham, uh, Kansas getting to play uh, in Des Moines, that sort of thing, whenever possible, try to reward the teams there. So you do that. Now, this causes a trickle-down effect, so you have to kind of balance the bracket on that. But the number one goal for them on that deal is to make sure that they get it balanced in terms of the Sweet 16. So in other words, it doesn't matter where you start. It's no longer – four games in the exact same bracketing Correct. region. You could be anywhere in the country. You could be Sacramento. You could be Albany. You could be Orlando, Des Moines. doesn't matter your first two rounds. Then you get to the region. That's that's the thing that's paramount on their mind. So uh, that's that's why. And they, and they, um, they changed that uh, a few years ago. I, I want to say, gosh, it may have been five, six years ago. Something I think like it that. was Maybe even longer. That, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that they did that. Um, somebody said, "Can you remind the audience of Texas schedule this weekend? Thursday, Saturday, Des Moines. Correct. What times? And hopefully back to Kansas City Thursday evening. It's a six twenty-five tip-off. I hate when they do that. I mean, because because then we're kind of caught betwixt and between <laughs> with a thirty-minute pregame show that yeah. everything's kind of uniform and stuff like that. So it'll accelerate things. But we'll be on the air at six o'clock." Uh, on the network with that, and then a, uh, a 625 tip-off on Thursday. Uh, if the Longhorns advance, they would play Saturday, and we do not know yet the start time for that. CBS, the CBS Turner family, mm-hmm. will wait to see what matchups are coming together, and then they decide the start time of the second round. I, I, I can tell you this right now. You can probably take it to the bank. It doesn't even matter who the matchup is. You can almost bet on it that the first game of the day on Saturday, which will be like noon, right around there, will be from Greensboro. They always, if, whenever Greensboro or Charlotte, one of those hosts, they do that uh, second round game. It's a standalone game that starts right around the noontime uh, hour. But then the rest of it is just slotted in uh, depending on what the matchups are. So it could be anywhere. I'd say usually a good guideline 
on that second hour, second round game is around 4.30 in the afternoon. Uh, they have a tier of games that are like 4.30 or 4.40 and 7.10, something like that. Uh, so just keep that in mind. But uh, I would say that that's – you know that that's a good guideline, and then yes, if they if the Longhorns do win two games in Des Moines, no guarantees, but if they do win two games in Des Moines, they would then return to Kansas City for the Sweet Sixteen game, and if they win that Elite Eight game, so that's that's how that. Works. So we can answer stuff like this too, yep. and, and when we get into bracket stuff, sure, uh, we can take care of this now. Gary wants to know, we as in Texas. Spanked Kansas twice. How are we not a number one seed? Can't look. Kansas got punished for losing those two games to Texas. Their punishment, they were not going to drop to the two line. They had 17 quad one wins. It's the most in the country. They won the regular season in the Big 12, the toughest league in the country. Kansas was not going to drop from the one line. But Kansas's punishment for losing those two games to Texas was they don't get to be in that Midwest regional and go through Kansas City for a path to the Final Four. They got to go out west and go to Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, understand uh, with regard to Kansas, they had more quad one wins than anybody. It they, wasn't even close. Baylor, well, close was Texas. Ba- Baylor had the third most quad one wins. Yeah. They might have been tied with somebody. But the, the number I heard, and I'll, I'll look this up and confirm, Kansas had more quad one wins than Baylor had quad one games played. That's correct. They had 17. Uh, Texas had 14 quad one victories, and that included the Big 12 tournament as well. That was one of the biggest criteria. You need only look at the NCAA tournament selection field for those who got in and those who did not. I'm looking at you, Oklahoma State, as to quad one games. Now, Oklahoma State became a big target point of conversation for not getting into the field and they're saying, well, they, you know, they played all they played eighteen quad one games, yeah, and they lost twelve of them. You've got to do better in the three thirty three winning percentage in quad one games. You, you know, for years the conversation, and a lot of this was pointed at Jim Beheim. You got to schedule people. You can't play St. Leo's or Lemoyne. They really played those teams. You can't play Division two and Division three teams. You have to play representative teams. So then you come up with a quadrant system. And, uh, you know, uh, quad, uh, Linda asked me, she said, what does that mean? And I said, well, the, the quadrant uh, thing in, in rated in the top 50 or 60 teams in the country in that computer setup. So play those teams, and that was the, the deal for years. Clearly the message from the tournament selection committee this year was you got to play those games and you got to win some of those games. Now, you don't have to play 18 of them. Like you said, Baylor played – I don't know how many there were. There were there less than Kansas one. It was less than seventeen. Uh, well, Baylor Baylor ended up playing in in twenty one. Okay. quad one games is what I'm seeing. Here. Okay, so how did they do in the quad ones? Uh, Eleven and ten. See, there you go. At least they were five hundred in those. They played a ton of them and and finished eleven and ten. See, Iowa State was kind of in the same realm. They played twenty one. They won ten of them. Okay, it's still that's right around the five hundred mark. Can't go six and twelve. In quad one wins and have a five game losing streak and get swept by Texas, Kansas. What was it? Uh, uh, there was somebody else that, uh, uh, fin- uh, Kansas State. You can't, you know, you can't play, uh, go 0 6 in those games in the regular season and then lose the other one in the conference tournament. You have to be able to win some games out of that. And that's the reasoning for it. If Texas was going to get a one, Mm-hmm. You would have needed 
I don't even think Alabama, because with Alabama being the one overall, it doesn't sound like there was anything that was going to happen that would have moved them off the one line. The you, only one I would have thought that they possibly could have gotten in uh, might have been Houston or Purdue, and Houston partially because of the uncertainty regarding Sasser. Right. Houston Houston did finish number one in the net, yes. so that's that's a big deal. Purdue was the one that it, had Purdue like lost in the Big Ten quarterfinals. Then there would have been much more questions. Yeah, about it. I, I, I think there's no doubt about it. So, um, somebody else asked, "Is any updates on Bill Self is going to be coaching?" I think he got just charged from the hospital and said he was planning to coach the team in the tournament. Um, so, I'll bet m- my last shekel Walton does his broadcast sipping perf and puffing a split. Well, if he's doing that, it'll be in the NIT. He's not on the NCAA tournament team. That's a disgrace. I should be able to call whatever games I want. It's a watershed moment for the Conference of Champions. You know, the, it's it's really strange to me how Bill Walton has jumped on this thing with the, the Pac-12 as a conference has. Well, there's no truck stops in this league. There's no truck stops here. Okay. Well, congratulations. Your league is, uh, you know... One decision by Brett Yormark away from being defunct. So could get to that. Congratulations. Could be the conference of former champions, past champions. <laughs> he loves to say conference of champions on that. Uh, somebody else asked, it's Craig, so, what's it's the so sk- good USC and UCLA are getting the hell out of there. Yeah. Somebody asked, uh, what's the schedule for the Austin region for uh, Texas women? Uh, they'll play East Carolina on Saturday. That's a Saturday, Monday. So. If the Longhorns take care of business, the men, on Thursday, the Texas men and women will play on the same day on Saturday. Again, don't know the start times. They'll play on the same day on Saturday, and the men would be playing a second-round game. The women will be playing their first-round game against East Carolina. Uh, that, uh, that'll that be on, I think it's ECU's first tournament appearance since 07. Man. So, um, that anyway, they'll, they'll be playing them. Uh, in the first round. If they win that game, it's on to a second-round matchup in all probability against Louisville, who they played very early in the season and lost to out in the Bahamas uh, on back. So uh, that that's how it sets up for the women. And then the women are in the what's called the Seattle Four Regional. That's, uh, that's I know. It's off. kind of a weird deal. I, I, I was sitting there watching that thinking, is there, isn't there a better way to call this? That, uh, you know, I understand the direction that the women's tournament's going with this. There's going to be two Sweet 16 slash Elite 8 sites. Only two, not four. Like for the men, there's Madison Square Garden in New York, KFC Yum Center in Louisville, uh, T-Mobile Center in Kansas City, and T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. So there's the, they have their four regular Sweet 16 Elite Eight sites like you normally see. The women are trying something different this year, and it's all obviously attendance boosted and, and, and driven. One site, Greenville, South Carolina, will host two regionals. Greenville 1, I guess it's Greenville 2. I'm trying to – I know. I think it's Greenville 3 because they then Is that put the in, way the brackets match yes, up? Okay. Yes. Here, here's what I think they should do. And then, and then the other one is Seattle. So Seattle, Seattle 2 and two, 4. Four. And Texas would be in that Seattle 4 uh, regional. If they win two games, you talk about a brutal – what could be a brutal sweet 16 bracket for the women. Because Iowa. 
and Stanford first. Oh, it'd be Stanford first and so Iowa. They, the they'd four, have yeah. to be. It'd be hard enough to be either Stanford or Iowa. Probably have to beat them both yeah. to get to the Final Four. I I feel like you should name your brackets after iconic coaches when it's just wheels off. You don't want to yeah. do the regional things like have one be the Jody Conrad bracket. Yeah. one's the Pat Summit bracket. Sure, or whatever. Yeah, that's a great idea. I like that idea. So anyway, there's there's that kind of stuff. Um, so. Anyway, uh, could you name a bracket after Gino Oriema, even though he's an active? Coach? I don't think you could. I think they'd have to put in a rule you can't be an active. Is that coach. like that? Is that like that bit where like you know if you're alive and you get a statue, it's kind of uh, yeah. Some people look at that as being a little weird. Yeah, you mean like in Fort Worth for Gary Patterson? <laughs> that kind of deal. Yeah. Okay. All right. I uh, don't know. That's kind of cool if you get a, if you get one while you're alive. You absolutely. Can go admire it or whatever. Uh, okay. All right. Coming back. We'll have our Longhorn High notebook. High five yourself on your way we, through the plaza. <laughs> Do we have things other than a couple of these audio uh, hits no, we're going to we'll, do? No, okay, we'll get the football next hour. We'll good. just unload, unload the truck on whatever we yep. got with basketball. All right, we're going to do that coming up here on a uh, Bracket Monday edition. We do have um, uh, Inconceivable today. Neither you nor I were able to be on the air during what would have been Inconceivable uh, on Friday, because mm-hmm. I was only able to do the thir- first 30 minutes before getting over to Municipal Auditorium to set up to do the women's game on Friday, and you had the media availability uh, with uh, Sark after the Friday practice, and then and then scrambled up here for uh, the second hour of the show. So uh, we didn't get to any Florida stories. I got one for you for today nice. for Inconceivable, so a little bit of a, a rollover to that. So anyway... We'll uh, we'll get to that coming up. This is Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM twelve sixty. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Light the Tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe. I've done my sentence, but committed no crime. And bad mistakes. This kind of reminds me of a little humorous thing that I witnessed yesterday. Um, inside of T-Mobile Center on Saturday night, when the Longhorns won the Big 12 Tournament Championship, Conference tournaments and NCAA tournaments do this as well for their national championship. They have everything slotted down in terms of um, the time they allot for on-court celebration stuff when the game ends. Uh, In fact, I saw a timeline for it several years ago, and it's actually slotted in there listed as spontaneous celebration. There's like some time where they give them like four minutes or whatever and doing that, and then they start, you know, rolling out the uh, the uh, the platforms for the podium to present the championship trophy. So the Big Twelve was no different than any other league in doing that, and they did that on Saturday. So there was that sort of thing. Then, and I watched, and then it was like, you know, the confetti cannons and all this. Certain music things were played, including "We Are the Champions." Brett Yormark, the commissioner of the Big Twelve, gets up on the platform, and Chris Budden of ESPN is kind of. M seen the thing. I don't. I don't know that they showed this part of it. Jeff, did they show it on the the post uh, on the podium, the the platform celebration, the presentation of the Big Twelve t- 
tournament trophy or had so they moved on. I was so in work at that point, yeah. I wasn't even paying attention. I think they had moved on to the next game on the list, I think. Which could have been the Pac-12. That it was. The championship there with Bill Walton working. See, it could have been that. Bill Walton is good. It's kind of it's, it's, it's getting close to Jim Rome territory a little bit. Well, they're both Californians. <laughs> what would you expect? The yeah. Californians. Yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, they, so I don't know if they showed this, but we're doing this, and they get to the presentation of the championship trophy. And Brett Yormark, the commissioner, stands up there, and he gets on the PA, and he goes, I want to thank the city of Kansas City for a great job. Uh, you, you, Kansas City, you're outstanding. I want to congratulate the Kansas Jayhawks uh, on a great season. Wish them luck in the NCAA tournament. But this week, it was all about Texas. And cheers go up and they present. Okay. So that happened. Uh, I swear to you, it happened in exactly the same way. He said that on Saturday. Yesterday, I'm doing the post game and then wrapping up after the Texas women <laughs> lost to Iowa State. Confetti cannons go off. We are the champions played. Chris Budden, again, uh, uh, emceeing the thing, hand, uh, hands the mic to Brett Yormark, and he goes, I want to thank the city of Kansas City. You did a wonderful job. Thanks for coming out. I want to congratulate Texas on a great season. Good luck in the NCAA tournament. But this week, it was all about Iowa State. <laughs> I mean, it was like a script. He had it. He had it exactly memorized. Did he? Uh, did he allow and Fat Joe to remind everybody that he left Atlantic? How about Fat Joe being there? How about Shaq being there? Came, yeah, that was cool. Came by and gave me a look. Well, you know, he's like I remember Cameron. You. Cameron knows Fat Joe left Atlantic. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. That's true. All right, uh, sir, you got that. And somebody said they did show the celebration on ESPN+. Plus. So good good on that. And by the way, I don't know how many other folks had the difficulty with this. This might have been a direct TV thing only. Um, Linda had to watch the game itself on ESPN+. Plus because the game was on one of those reverse mirror things with, with, oh. uh, with the ACC. But I think they got it confused to direct TV. So you could not get the Big 12 tournament championship game, I think, locally in the greater Austin area if you had direct TV. You had to watch it on ESPN Plus if you had it, which we did. And she did, but it was like the ACC. And on the other one was like St. Peter's and Iona playing in the MAC, you know, the Metro Atlantic thing. So you had that going on. So it was a weird deal on that. All right, it's time now for a Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. A Longhorn Notebook that is brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, your home loan expert, and your Longhorn lender. Be sure to check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. Uh, just like it's spelled, B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K, bowersockteam.com. And uh, see if she can do for you what she did for Linda and me, and that's to get that home loan approval turned around in a snap. She is, after all, the person who can make that 10-day home loan approval guarantee a reality. Again, check her out at bowersockteam.com, just like it sounds, B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K, bowersockteam.com. All right, so here's a couple of the, the conversations. I'm going to start it off with Marcus Carr, and this is when, I mean, it was literally – uh, right after the game was over and the celebrations going and and they were up on the stage and they got the trophy and and Dylan DeSue got his uh, tournament outstanding player award and then they they kind of have the, it's almost like a conga line they got this line going with the guys rolling through and the assistant coaches and GAs and all getting a chance to snip off a piece of the net but Marcus Carr came over to visit with, there was one point um, 
uh, Jeff, in the second half, where I think it went, when the Longhorns went up 15 and Kansas uh, called a timeout, but it was right before that, and Marcus is running back down the floor, and he, he looks he looks up and he's got a smile on his face. He comes over and he fist bumped me in the middle of the game. Who's <laughs> doing that? It's awesome. So, uh, but but uh, Marcus was obviously in a good mood. Here's here's the uh, conversation we had with him. Marcus, uh, I know this um, has to be a very special moment, for, special moment for you and for the guys. Can can you describe how this feeling is right now? Yeah, it, it is amazing. You're right. It's an amazing feeling, kind of surreal. Um, this is what we set out here to do this weekend and, and all season long. This is a part of the journey that, you know, we wanted to accomplish. Uh, we didn't get the regular season done, but we came in here with the with that same chip on our shoulder that we wanted to get this one. And, you know, still more work left to do, but I'm proud of these guys. Um, I'm super happy for these guys, and um, we're going to keep building on it. Dylan talked about defense uh, at, when he was up on the stage. I know you, you guys felt like defense was going to be a big part of You guys did a great job denying Dewan Harris, didn't allow him to get in the lane. That's kind of the formula you had a week ago. And I, and I know that means an awful lot, being able to shut down a guy like that. Oh, no, for sure. You know, Dewan's a great player, uh, one of the best guards in the country, and, you know, he's really the key to their offense, and he gets them going. He gets their guys going. So we show him great respect, and, and by that we try to take him out the game. And, you know, it's still tough at times. He does a great job facilitating, and obviously he's a great defender as well. So, you know, he's a really good player. It's been fun going up against him, but uh, the coaching staff just had a great game plan for us, and we came out and executed. Marcus, all the all the late nights and early mornings that no one understands or sees, it makes it all worth it. You guys are working together in developing your game. It's what it's all about, isn't it? A hundred percent. You know, all the sacrifices, all the things that we go through, and not just us, you know, the people who support us, our families, everything who does it, anybody who does anything for us, our coaching staff, all the supporting cast that helps us, you know, do what we do on a daily basis. This championship is ours, but it's just as much theirs as it is ours. Hey, I'm going to let you go cut down some net. I appreciate the time. Congrats. Thank you, guys. All right, so that was before some of the net was cutting down. Um, then you get Brock Cunningham, and uh, Brock comes over, and he's always in a good mood. He, that's a guy who never has a bad day. So uh, he was enjoying himself, uh, but also kind of with a, a mind toward what was still to come. He's holding the big placard that says Big 12 champs I, I i get the feeling that uh, you, you're probably not willing to let go of that right now yeah you know it, it, it's sweeter the second time so just happy to be here <laughs> yeah I, I i and i mentioned take nothing away from what happened two years ago but this might seem a little more fulfilling you played three games you took on kansas yep. not only took on kansas you beat kansas and you beat them soundly in kansas city that's that's got to mean something yeah for for all the people that weren't here today this was a home court advantage for sure with kansas uh so it, it, it does mean a lot to get to get this win, and it's something that I'll remember for the rest of my life. There's still work to be done. I know you guys are playing probably the best ball. I know you're excited to get ready for next week, but good luck to you. Get some rest, and uh, that plane may fly itself back home. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Brock, uh, the, the, tomorrow I guess the team will watch the selection show together, and then and then it's it's about going back to working and, and, and getting ready for the, the big dance, the one that matters most, right? Yep, and uh, fortunately I have experience of uh, winning this tournament and then not having the next game go as you want, so I'm going to try and help lead the team into not having that kind of a hangover from this tournament and get into the NCAA tournament rolling. Yeah, so uh, already with an eye toward that, and he said something very similar in the post-game news conference as well about, I remember about the uh, how unhappy and how unfortunate it was to to lose as a three seed to the 14 seed after that. So uh, that was in the back of his mind. Yeah, that still hurts. Yeah. Uh, Dylan DeSue was the tournament's 
most outstanding player, and that's a great story given what the guy he, that he's a local product, that he started off at Vanderbilt, that he transferred back in, had to undergo some serious knee surgery, and and really had to work through it, and had battles with it even afterwards, especially last year, but even at the start of this year, and has come on strong, and maybe is the Longhorns' most consistent at both ends of the floor player right now uh, at the end of the, uh, the year. And he was holding his uh, uh, outstanding tournament uh, player uh, award as he came over to join us in the postgame. So Dylan comes over to join us right now, the uh, right uh, Big 12 Conference Tournament outstanding panel. Let me look at this trophy here. There it is. That's that's pretty impressive stuff there. I know you feel it's a team thing, but it, it's it's also got to be a, a, a pretty satisfying moment for you, isn't it, with everything you've gone through and the injuries and all that and coming back to be able to have a tournament like this, to be able to play like this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a blessing for sure. I mean, there's, there's no other way I can describe it. Um, I definitely feel like it, I'm, none of this would have been possible to this weekend without my teammates, though. I mean, they always, they found me whenever I was open. Um, and I just made I just made the last play. They made the first one. So um, it's definitely a, a team award in, in my eyes. Um, you set up on the stage there was about defense today. Talk about that and what, what you guys did to really put the clamps down on this Kansas team. Yeah, I mean, we knew that uh, Jalen Wilson was a guy that uh, is, is going to try and go get his every night. But if we uh, locked in on the other guys around him and made sure that they didn't, uh, you know, uh, get theirs uh, tonight, then uh, we'd have a, a good chance of winning the game, and that's what we did. Um, once you got the big lead, how important was it to be able to, to make sure to keep your foot on the gas, to not allow them to have a comeback? Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, RT talked to, has been talking about it all week. Uh, and, and the last couple of weeks at March is all about finishing and advancing. You got to finish halves, possessions, uh, games, and then advance. And so that's what we've uh, kind of been locked in on is just finishing every possession uh, with a rebound or finishing every possession with a great shot, uh, getting back on defense so that we can finish the game or the half uh, and come out uh, victorious. How uh, excited are you to be taking the next step next week? Uh, I mean, super excited. You know, it's always, uh, I played in March Madness last year, but it's always fun. I, I guess it's, it's been my dream since I was a child. So getting to play again is just another blessing. All right. Uh, so I've held your trophy. I'm going to hand it back to you. I'm going to let you go cut down some net. Congrats, All right. Dylan. All right. Thank you. Thank uh, you. All right. Uh, and so, so there's that. And uh, then um, finally there's the head coach. And this was after he'd gotten a chance to cut down the net and come over and, and clearly uh, in a very joyful mood was Longhorns interim head coach Rodney Terry. We welcome me back. Continue with the Bud Light postgame show. The Texas Longhorns are Big 12 Conference Tournament champions. And we're pleased to be joined by the man who just cut down the final strands of the net. Longhorns interim head coach Rodney Terry. You and I talked about this the other day. I said, you've been down this road. You did it with Fresno State. But I know this is has to be an incredibly gratifying moment for you. Not only for you personally, but for these guys and your staff, all of whom you work so hard with. You know what, Craig? I give God the glory right now. I tell you, uh, these guys here, I'm so proud of this group here. I mean, just the way they've handled themselves, you know, through adversity this year. And, uh, you know, they just stayed the course and just kept working. And, uh, you know, the Big 12 was a, was a goal of ours. I mean, obviously, we still want more right now. we got the big prize to play for. But these guys de- de- deserve to be here. And, and they earned the Big 12 championship today against a top team in the country. 
was the formula similar to what you used a week ago because it was denying Dwan Harris just was rendered at times useless what you did last week and today against him. Yeah, when you're able to take him out of uh, initiating their offense, it really, they really struggle with what they want to do. They can't come down and run their, their offense quite the way they want to efficiently and everything. Uh, I like to also, you know, uh, pass on best wishes to, to Coach Seth, Hall of Fame coach, a lot of respect for him and his program. And, uh, um, you know, but again, I give my guys a lot of credit today. They just came out and really guarded hard for 40 minutes and really wanted it today more than they did. Rodney, I thought you swarmed the ball so well. Help side position, a phrase you hear coaches say, looked like at times on defense you had seven guys out there. Man, we were really locked in. We were trying to really hard to protect the paint. We did a great job at our place in game two protecting the paint uh, and knew we had to get back and take the fast break points away. I don't know how many turnovers we ended up having, but, you know, taking care of the basketball was a big part of the game plan as well, and uh, um, I guess did a great job just controlling this game. You uh, also told everybody who kept asking you about Marcus, said, don't worry, Marcus will be fine. He'll do, and, and he found ways to affect the game offensively, not just with the three-point shot, with his drives to the hoop as well. Well, again, another great win, team win. Uh, Marcus caused a primetime player. And, you know, on, on the biggest stage, he's going to step up and, and uh, he's going to deliver. You know, Jabari delivered for us too in primetime, you know, as well. And you know what DeSue did over the last couple games and everything. So, uh, again, just really proud of my team. Could you be any happier for a guy than for Dylan DeSue to win the tournament outstanding player? I mean, this guy's worked so hard to come back from his injury, and, you know, he's playing his best, best basketball at the right time and uh, just so excited for him. All right. Uh, Ronnie, tell Longhorn fans about uh, the plan now. I know you're coming home tonight, and then uh, uh, what, what the plan will be. Uh, obviously, you'll watch the selection show together and then the and then the prep time that goes into that. You know what, Craig? I haven't even given any thought for that. <laughs> That's <laughs> you know, a good thing. We played a top team in the country today, and, uh, you know, we'll start putting together our plan for what we're going to do uh, selection Sunday, and uh, uh, we just wanted this big 12 championship so bad, and that's all we've been focused on here the last couple of days. Well, I'm going to let you enjoy it. Thanks for the time. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thanks, Trey. Appreciate you, man. All right. Uh, there it is uh, with Rodney Terry. I'm glad they got a chance to enjoy that, and then they uh, dived right into it to start getting ready for the Colgate Raiders, who lead the nation in three-point field goal percentage. You know, uh, the Kevin McCuller loss for Kansas kind of evened out the playing field of Texas missing Timmy Allen. Yeah. But you look the, the most impressive thing, Craig, and I know people look at the scores, and you look at what Texas got from an offensive standpoint. What they did defensively in the two wins over Kansas, I think Grady, Dick, and Dewan Harris, I think they were combined like four for 17 shooting in the game yeah. in Austin. They were six for 18 on Saturday. Dick was 0 for 5 from 3. And you're going to win a lot of games. Harris turned the ball over four times. You're going you're gonna to win a lot of games against Kansas when you do that. And they Texas has kind of given teams – look, it's, it's easier said than done – They've kind of given teams the blueprint on Kansas. Yeah. Like Jalen Wilson's going to get his if you don't let Harris initiate the offense. You make it really hard on Grady Dick to get shots off. You're going to have a good chance to beat them. Look very, very similar to the game last Saturday. Yep. Again, we, we, we could go Saturday. At, at halftime, David Lawrence, who's on the Jayhawk Radio Network, said to me, uh, we, we were chatting at halftime, he goes, you guys are doing it, doing it to us again. I said, what? And he goes, you're keeping Dewan Harris out of the paint. Yep. You're denying him getting inside. He goes, that's the key. And and uh, he can't distribute that way. He can't shoot that way. And they just did. They guarded him really well. Go And go back at the, to watch the game in Lawrence and look how much success he had breaking them down, penetrating, getting huge, into the paint. Yeah. Huge difference on that. Okay. Uh, coming up, uh, we'll have Inconceivable. We'll do that. And then we've got our number two of the program. By the way, I can let you know it is official now. The Texas women's game. Saturday night at 9 o'clock, as I look at 
Cam Parker, Ugh. the engineer for that broadcast. Saturday night, 9 o'clock. It'll be preceded by the 5-12 matchup, Louisville and Drake, the, which the will be at 6 know Austin's in the central time zone, right? I think they're doing that with an eye toward when the men might be playing earlier. Okay. Because trying to keep apart the, the two uh, start times apart. So you could play it earlier in the day. Yeah, maybe it could be. <laughs> It'll be 9 All o'clock. Right. 9 o'clock uh, on uh, Saturday night. And so uh, you'll hear it on 105.3 The Bat at 8.45 the airtime, the tip-off at 9 o'clock as uh, Texas. Get your pom-poms and a Red Bull. Absolutely. Get ready uh, for uh, Texas at ECU on Saturday night at Moody Center. Up next, we bring in Conceivable here on a Monday on Light the Tower on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260. Live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Conceivable. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. I'll tell you another inconceivable thing. Coming up, just past the top of the hour, 11 o'clock hour, we're going to check in with uh, Rob Lazar. He is the uh, outstanding equipment man for the University of Texas. You may remember the story last year of him driving back from Milwaukee when the tornadoes were going through in the straight line winds from Dallas. He was driving a U-Haul truck back with a lot of the equipment. He's doing it again. Well, Maybe not with the tornadoes. We hope not. Anyway, uh, he's on the road as we speak right now, and I, and, and I want to get him on just to uh, give people an idea of what it takes to, to transport an intercollegiate basketball team for the NCAA tournament. So it's it, stick around for that. It'll be worth it. Meanwhile, it's on Inconceivable, and um, there's the, the, since, I'm, since I'm starting off with something uh, talking about uh, cars or transport. Um, This is a rather unfortunate thing. Uh, Jeff, it happened in Savannah, Georgia over the weekend. A man was crushed to death while attempting to steal a catalytic converter from a vehicle. Um, Karma is a mother. Yeah, Matthew Eric Smith, age 32, was found dead under a car, according to the Chatham County Police Department. Uh, It says, evidence at the scene indicates that the man was killed while he was illegally removing a catalytic converter from the vehicle, and the vehicle fell on top of him. That's kind of rough. Uh, and, catalytic <laughs> and catalytic converter theft, in case you didn't know, has skyrocketed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been an issue for a long time now, but really in the last, well, probably five to seven years it's or so. Interesting you put yeah. that. In, in According to the National Insurance Crime Bureau, Catalytic converter theft has surged more than 1,200% since 2019. So um, relatively easy to steal. They contain valuable precious metals such as uh, palladium, also platinum and rhodium. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, it's that some of these precious metals are more valuable per ounce than than gold, and their value has been increasing in recent years. The black market price for catalytic converters can be above $1,000 each, depending on the type of vehicle and what state it's from. They can be stolen in less than a minute. So, um, yeah. Uh, According to police last year, 39 catalytic converters from Chatham County alone were stolen in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, My brother has been the victim of catalytic converter theft. Yep. Wow. Okay. Um, Cameron, you know anybody that suffered that fate, the catalytic converter theft? I don't even know what a catalytic converter is. That's the thing that reduces emissions. 
for pollution control. Oh, is what okay. That is. No, I haven't. But my car is a piece of crap. Three three seven three seven seven six. If you want to send feedback on the specs text line for Cameron not knowing what a catalytic converter is. There you go. Um, you want to give him my uh, Twitter handle, my dad's two four seven account. No, or? but I'm just saying this is this. Uh, our texters are the same audience that roasted Ty for admitting that he smokes with a pellet grill. So <laughs> it's true. Uh, okay, uh, Cam, do you do a podcast? Um, Are you on a podcast? I co-host one with Wes Scott Eberts of Burn Orange Nation during okay. football season. Okay. All right. I've never met that dude before. What's he like? Very smart guy. He's a good guy. Okay. All right. Um, I know you do a podcast because you get ready to go record one here in a little bit. Right. About an hour from now. Yeah. All right. Did you hear about the dudes that were doing the podcast in Houston and had it interrupted? Um, no. Yeah. Uh, they were um, doing a podcast... And uh, they were live on the air at a coffee shop in Houston. Car crashes through the window. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. Right in the middle of the podcast. Jeez. Uh, The guy said, uh, Nathan Reeves said, uh, he continued the broadcast, kept on going afterwards and said, I think we're fine. Was your podcast that important? He said, "I think I think it was the uh, extemporaneous quality of the moment. Yeah, so being able to carry on a podcast after a car crashes in the window. I, I, I've told this story, I think, on the air before, and I and I said it during delivering the eulogy. At so my, there was a disturbance uh, at the coffee. There house. was not on the field, but at uh, the coffee no, house. at the coffee at the coffee shop. Um, I told this story. Uh, I think I've told it on the air before. I know I delivered it as part of the eulogy at my mom's." memorial service at her funeral back in November because my mom had a great adventurous life um, and uh, in her 90 years and an example of one of the adventures that didn't go well was she was driving to the store on Thanksgiving morning to yeah. uh, get get some I think cranberry sauce I think it was and going down a slight inclined hill and had my grandmother in the car uh, and my sister and the brakes went out Went right through an intersection. Fortunately, on Thanksgiving morning, the traffic is light. Went straight up into the parking lot and crashed right through the front window of the supermarket. Just like something you'd see in a sitcom. Canned goods, you had canned pears going all over the floor and stuff like that. Cling peaches on aisle three. I'm a big spill on that kind of deal. I always think about stuff like that when I hear about uh, stuff that uh, crashes crashes through stuff. Um, how often would you say you guys even set foot in a mall anymore do you even do it once a year yeah at least do once you? a year okay christmas time yeah Camp? yeah maybe like once a year maybe usually barton creek because well, of nordstrom yeah, barton creek mall's got a couple of places yeah. that my daughter with a lego store and some other places yep 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 okay build a bear and whatnot i gotcha okay um big mall in new jersey the garden state plaza mall is this that just monstrosity out there by the Meadowlands that's like yes, it abandoned? Is. Okay. That's the one. Had a big old fight on Friday night <laughs> there. Big brawl in the mall, they're calling it. There, They had to bring law enforcement reinforcements racing in. Uh there reports go by the, the by the roller coaster yeah. and through the wax museum. Large scale incident happened just before eight o'clock. Raw video shows several people jumping into this deal. <laughs> it began as a disagreement and a fight 
between two women. So Sounds like something that would uh, happen at the Colleen Mall back in my day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, some in the area apparently panicked amid the shouting and screaming, perhaps believed something worse was happening. Reports of a gun being pulled. There was no gun. There's just people throwing down. Uh, police from neighboring towns had to join in, <laughs> calling in backup all over the place. So we had, you had a good old-fashioned Donnybrook going it was. on at the mall then. And then uh, Paramus police thanked them for their assistance before quickly declaring the situation was under control. You know, all is well. Remain calm. But uh, brawl at the mall. They're calling it there in, in Jersey. And where else but New Jersey would you have a brawl at the mall, right? Finally, Florida story for you here. Now, we've heard stories about this where restaurants have been, like, skimming the tips from their staff that hadn't good gone well, yeah. that kind of deal. Well, now, two restaurants in Florida uh, are really in trouble now uh, for doing this. And the reason why they were doing it was to cover Dine and Dash customers because that, you know, has been on the rise ever since the pandemic. Yeah. People go and eat and then skim out without paying. So the management in these two restaurants decided they were going to start skimming off the tips. Two restaurants kept the server's tips. And then on top of that, this was, oh, by the way, would you like to know the uh, county? Pinellas. Ding, 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 ding. Pinellas, Miami, they're in Pinellas, St. Petersburg. There's two Mexican restaurants. Withheld the tips earned by bartenders and servers to pay for customers who skipped out on their bills, ranged from $10 to $175 per day, and they illegally charged the workers for their uniforms to work there. So um, the two restaurants, Red Mesa and Red Mesa Cantina, had deducted the cost of employees' uniforms from their wages, meaning some were paid less than minimum wage. Uh, they also pay, failed to pay the correct overtime rate of a time and a half uh, for that. And that included when some staff worked at both restaurants in the same week. A total of $190,730 in back wages and liquidated damages were recovered for the 89 affected workers. That's not a direct sentence to the cauldron, but that would definitely cause someone to be called into kangaroo court to see if the cauldron is a fit punishment. There you go. Crime. It was Pinellas County, so yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and guess they're gonna end up there, but it's not an automatic deal, you know. Yeah, yeah. All right, we have the second hour coming up. We're we're gonna check in with uh, Rob Lazar and get his thoughts on the road trip north to Des Moines. He had the road trip back from Milwaukee last year, so we'll we'll get his thoughts on uh, moving this basketball team up for the NCAA tournament. Here in hour number two of Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, where we're live, local, and digital right here on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. <laughs> 